You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. I don't know about you guys, but I love a good gardening YouTube channel. And in my opinion, the Self-Sufficient Me channel is right up there with the best of them. A few weeks ago, I was lucky enough to have a chat with the channel's creator, Mark Valencia. We'd planned on chatting about backyard veggie gardening, but we actually ended up having a bit more of a personal conversation. I hope that you guys enjoy it. Well, I started in 2011 and I had no success, really, no real quantifying success till about 2016. My channel started to get some traction and my blog. So I was toiling and, and, and doing it out of love, you know, and spreading information for five years before I could sort of like, if you want to say quantify it by getting something back, by earning some coin out of it or by getting um, a subscriber base or some, you know, some regular feedback. Those are the things that you wish you had straight away. You know, in the first time I wrote a blog, my first ever blog post, I hit bloomin', you know, bang, and it was live <laughs> up on the internet, and no one looked at it, you know, for <laughs> months, um, except friends and family, you know. But uh, but that was good enough for me. I was like friends and family looking at it, and they're reading it, and they're, they're giving me some feedback. I thought, oh, that's cool. And then... Five years later, I'm still toiling away. I'm getting a little bit of a following. People are enjoying it. And that just kept me going. You know, I think if no one was into me, I think I would have had to change tack. But just a few dozen was, was, was good enough for me to encourage me to keep going. You know, but there was a point in around 2016. And my wife was talking about this the other day. She was saying, Oh my goodness. Remember that turning point? where you were really so close to giving away the online thing, tried it for five years, really got to make a choice, loved doing it, but the choice is, is it realistic? My boys are starting to get into high school. They don't need me as much. Can I justify being at home? Probably not. Should get at least a part-time mm. job. And was I bringing yeah. in enough in my online endeavours? No. So... You really do sometimes have to make hard choices in life and one of them was going to be put that to the back burner. Yeah, have it as a little hobby but don't concentrate so much on it. I was doing, when I say I did this for five years, I was doing sometimes 12, 15, 18 hours a day, establishing a website, writing, toiling, trying to learn how to do the IT online world thing, doing most of it all on my own trying to learn how to do IT stuff, how to create a website, how to keep maintaining a website, and all that stuff was all foreign to me. I was a soldier. You know, I wasn't an IT guy. I didn't even know what RAM was. You know, my my brother had to give me this list of stuff. This is what RAM is. This is what a computer is, you know. So uh, I did some long days for what people would think is nothing, but then you are building up a catalogue. You are slowly building authority online. You're slowly getting noticed. And then when I was at that tipping point, I, I did reach out to the fan base. I, I had about 10,000 subscribers and I said, look, I might have to pull back. It wasn't a nice video to make and it didn't come across very good. It came across 
quite sad. And I had a lot of people suddenly reach out and say, no, no, don't, don't stop. You know, we're all here still. Just at least, um, give it a chance. So I kept dabbling. Um, I might have pulled back a little bit and started looking maybe what other options I had to work for the man. And then I had a couple of breakthrough videos that one, which was how to grow a ton of lemons. And that had been out for a while in the wild. And all of a sudden it just got like miraculously picked up by YouTube and, uh, yeah, it went off and I was getting like a thousand subscribers a day for a period of a week or two. And I just, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was such a great feeling to have that validation that people actually enjoyed what I was saying. But in fairness, I was a little dull for a while and I wasn't truly myself. I, I was the, instructor mark from the army i was trying my best to be informative but not too much emotion okay yeah and when i did that emotional video something sort of cracked then and i and i thought you know if i'm really doing this properly i might should just open up a bit more and 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 that's when i started having fun with those videos and i thought let's get what would i like to see on that lemon video and I'm standing there, I wrote a quick script and I thought, just give it five, five top tips. Like, let's not waffle too much. Let's give it five top tips. Let's do my best ones because there's plenty of other tips you can give, but let's narrow it down to my best and uh, let's sort of get a bit of vibe there because in real life, I do like, you know, having a chat, having a beer, mm. having a party, talking and having fun. And having a joke. So I thought I'd throw a little bit of that in there. And it really did. People enjoyed that. And then I realized I can be myself on camera. People aren't going to care too much as long as I watch my P's and Q's. And, uh, mm. they did. It did. It, it worked really well. So I stayed on that vein of how to grow a ton. And I, and I try to be myself more, even though it's, it's still inherently weird looking into a camera. <laughs> When there's no one there, but you know, you imagine the audience and I'm getting better at it, but it, I'm still terribly amateurish at it. But I like to think that I'm getting better at it, you know, but that was the breaking point there or the breaking point or the, the shoot that gave me that. Well, hang on, put all that on hold. I'm not going to work for the man. People are enjoying this. I can influence. I can make a difference in my own little world and in the people that I talk to, encourage them to get outdoors more, encourage them to get in the garden, encourage them to garden for all sorts of reasons, not just getting the food, which was my initial motivation, growing for the family, saving money. But then it came, then I realized the mental health benefits, you know, mm -hmm. PTSD, all my injuries, my military service, 21 years. You, you can't come out of that unscathed. Not many people do. And I just felt every time I was in the garden, it was helping me mentally. It helped me physically because it actually can be hard yakka sometimes, but that's good because you need some fitness in your life. And being a big day in the garden can be like a few hours in the gym. So it was helping me in all sorts of areas. And I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to spread that to as many people as possible because it made me feel good. Yeah, totally. And then I started making a living out of it. So, I mean, yeah. it's just wonderful.
And so that's when people started listening is when you started sharing your sort of your personality a little bit more and you became a little bit less robotic. I think so. Yeah. Right. That's why I watch you because it does feel like watching a good mate. You know, I, yeah. I've been watching you for, like I said, about two years now and I just love your your vibrancy and I've sort of got several family members who aren't the biggest gardeners, but I know that they watch your channel and they sort of say, why don't you get Mark on from Self-Sufficient Me? You know, I've been following you for a number of years now and I guess, you know, now is the time to reach out and sort of say good day and just say how much I love your videos and how much you've inspired me personally. No, no, I appreciate it. No, thank you. But as you found out, pretty available. You know, I, I like talking to people and I, I like um, mm. you know, spreading the word, so to speak, but I also enjoy other people's content like yours. I started listening to your podcasts. Oh. I've had a look at your website and everything like that. You're putting a lot of hard work into it. And thank you. You know, I think that if I can help in a little way by being another guest on one on your show, I thought, why not? That's great. You know, I'm straight off the bat. As soon as you contacted me, I was in. Yeah. Yeah. You were, mate. That's true. And it's like what you say, like, you know, let's get people out of their homes and into the gardens because the mental health benefits, the physical benefits, just, you know, and the connection with nature too is something in this day and age that people need. We need that connection with nature, mate. Great point. That nature thing, we're humans. We're part of nature. We're not meant to be locked up in a building 24-7 because you'll go crazy. Why do we love views? Why do we feel really nice on a dirt path in the forest with the birds chirping? Why, why do we get that? Why do we love the smell of, of nature, earth? I sometimes grab a handful of dirt and I smell it. I love it. You know? Me too, man. And, and it's because we are part of nature. You take that out and you're going to miss it big time. So we need, we need that connection. We don't. It hurts us mentally. Yeah. Totally. Couldn't agree more. And something that's quite ironic is, as you were saying that you're trying to get people out into nature, I was thinking, I sort of had a little chuckle to myself because I was already out in nature as a maintenance gardener. I mean, you know, nature, backyards and commercial gardens and stuff like that. But you actually inspired me to get inside and pick up the microphone. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah. Well, that that is... That is the thing. There is a, a small following that I have of people that are interested in primarily the, the business side of things and the, the how do you transform gardening or any type of skill into a digital platform or area that they can, you know, utilize for a business or even just to spread the word or, or share what they do. And uh, I've been able to do it in a really easy and basic way with phone cameras, old GoPros. My first video camera was a shocking thing. It was um, it was a Sony at least, but it was uh, it was a supposedly HD, and that was when a lot of my earlier videos were shot on. But it was like it was that big. It was a handy cam and. Uh, even today, my, my camera isn't the best and I still shoot on my phone, but they've improved a lot. So you can get 4K on most phones now. But back then, the videos were pretty ordinary quality, but still you're able to make traction out of it. And I'm only talking five or six years ago. 
I was still shooting in ordinary cameras. But I think people, they'll forgive that if the story's right for them, if they're learning something, they'll forgive the poor quality. Maybe not poor quality sound as much because that can be annoying, Mm. but poor quality video, and if they can see the story and feel it, then they'll forgive it. Yeah, And, and so you can make something, if I can make it out of growing veggies in the backyard and get a worldwide audience, you can apply that to anything looking after guinea pigs, a certain species of guinea pig. You can niche right down to anything you're interested in and for whatever your motivation, or you can turn that into something in the digital world. So I'm happy for people to pick my brain or to you know uh, follow me for those alternate reasons, even if they're not into the garden, uh, just to see how this pans out. I'm happy for that for sure. And I, and I do often talk about that at events that I go to because it is a common subject. People are interested in that other side, you know, yeah. Totally. And, you know, we're in this world of TikTok and, you know, people wanting to be famous and stuff like that. How important do you think it is to take that responsibility seriously when you're trying to teach people things? Well, I I do think that, I mean, I'm not adverse to other methods or other platforms and other ways to get your message across. For some people, like TikTok is can be quite informative depending on, you know, your age group and all that. My boys, they like they don't really watch TikTok for the the dancing stuff. Mm. They they'll watch it for uh fishing videos, like ten seconds, fifteen seconds. Right. Here's this big fish pull in, here's what I use, here's the lure. And that they're actually using it for not just entertainment, but information. Something I've noticed is that a lot of the gardening content and a lot of the content is made by people who haven't necessarily done their research and aren't putting as much effort into learning about the subject as they are about teaching it. I guess that was my question is like, what responsibility do you have when you're trying to teach people to not spread misinformation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I do do as much research as I can Mm. before I will post something online. And you've been doing this for over 10 years too. Yeah, yeah. I like to um, get as much experience as possible. That's why some of my videos take 12 months to make. That Over a 12-month period, I'm watching a plant, I'm seeing how it reacts, I'm trying different things with it, and then I share all that information, the good and the bad, what worked, what didn't. And not, But I also do... It's basic research online, might go to Wiki, might go to other gardening blogs and get a, a, a sequence of information that I can, that I can see match to my own experience and learn where it came from and those types of things so that I can paint a better picture. Uh, and the reason I do that is because I don't ever want to bum drum my audience. And I do sometimes, even with all that prep, I still sometimes get things wrong. I pronounce things wrong. I um, I talk about sometimes I get even growing regions wrong simply because it worked for me and it maybe was a fluke. But these are the things, you know, you can't be perfect, but I do own up to that. No. I, I read the comment section and if I've got it wrong, I'll usually pin the comment to the top. Oh, uh, thanks, mm. guys, for letting me know that, 
this plant didn't come from Mexico. It came from somewhere, somewhere close by South America or whatever. Uh, you know, I got that one wrong or I didn't pronounce this quite right, you know. And I, I, that's what I enjoy because every video I do, I'm learning back from the audience as well and back from my supporter base. So it's communal. It's a community thing. But having said that, your point is right. There are too many people that take maybe a little bit of gardening success or, uh, uh, and then they talk about things that they don't know too much about. And you can, this can be any discipline, fishing, mm. any type of knowledge, you know, mathematics, whatever. And that can be, that can be annoying. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I follow some, I go on TikTok sometimes. I'm interested in that. And I think, you know, ecology and gardening is something that a lot of people feel very passionate about. And sometimes the feeling I get is that people are more, I I don't think it's about getting things wrong because you're always going to get things wrong. I think that there's a problem there when you're more concerned with being famous than you are about the responsibility that you have in your heart, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your, your podcast can get quite technical too, you know, and, and, and that's, when you when when you're talking about those technical areas, you do need a little bit of expertise and experience in those areas, and shouldn't be yeah shooting your mouth off because people who are interested in those types of areas are coming to your content for specific information because they want to they don't want to they want to learn from your mistakes and your knowledge. They don't want to start all start from the beginning and sw- and you know swim or s- sink or swim. Mm. That's the reason they're coming. They want success. Yeah. So if they're going to grow something, they want to know well, how do you grow that? And I want success. You know, rather than a lot of my stuff in the early days was experimentation, and I still love experiments. But mm. I'm not going to tell people to grow avocados in clay and see how you go. You know, wink, wink. I'm going to say <laughs> I've tried it, and and it goes bad. And here's how right. you can, if you are growing in clay, here's how you can do it and have success. So yeah, you can. That yeah, I get what you mean for sure. I my hat goes off to you too because I think there's two things here. You really put yourself out there on the line as being the teacher, and I admire that because I don't have the balls to do that. But secondly, you balance that out by saying, I'm an experimenter and these are my experiments. So you sort of keep yourself safe there a little bit. You're not going out there saying, this is the technical information. Whereas for me, I do have people out there who we're not showing the experiments. We're just saying, this is, I try to get, I I try really hard to vet my guests and make sure that they know that one topic. Even if that's all they know, they know that one topic well. So there's a level of trust that I have in the guests because they always know a lot more than I do about the topic. I have some, I suppose relatively shallow but broad knowledge. So I think I can talk to people broadly with these topics, but I wouldn't be the teacher on any one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is. I wouldn't say deliberately playing it safe. I would just say that I'm just being me and being honest with the experimentation. I think it works for me. If I'm going to psychoanalyze it from outside in, I'm not sure totally, but I think the reason it works is because humans are pretty curious and if i share my curiosity on a duck a duck egg experiment where i've planted duck eggs underneath a tomato and no fertilizer and how does it work people are interested they're so curious and that does work on my channel 
whereas a scientist mm. might already know that answer and say, right. you know, either way, because they're professionals, they might be a professional in fertiliser or something like that and be able to give those specifics, and they're great too. I mean, having these experts that are professionals in these areas, and like I always say, I'm no horticulturalist, and there are people out there that are that I follow. You know, Jerry in Brisbane here from ABC Gardening, you know, was one of my gardening mm. guru heroes. Peter Cundrell, mm. I grew up watching him. And th- there's many others that are that very, they know all the plant names. I couldn't tell you many of the scientific names for the plants that I grow. Sometimes I'm flat out telling you the right names for some <laughs> things. But yeah, that type of, it works for me because people come on my journey. But at mm. the same time, I do still, like I said, try my best to not bum drum people deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think there's definitely a place for the experts and for the people yes. who listen to the experts like me and do research, but then also yep. disregard that and go off on these tangents for a bit of fun. Cause I do like experimenting. Well, that's exactly right, mate. When I'm saying that, I'm not thinking of you at all because I can tell how much effort and thought you put in. What I'm really speaking about is people who who aren't. I suppose it's like a TikTok thing of people who just want to be famous. Yeah, the quick bite. The um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's want to get there thing. before doing the hard work. That 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 really comes simply down to wrong motivation. If I was doing videos to get famous or to make money. I would have stopped after the first year. You know, mm. the first dinner party I went to after my blog, a friend's wife said, you know, what are you doing, Mark? Well, I'm a home dad, but I am, I've got an offshoot type business of writing and, uh, and, and I put ads on that page and, uh, people can then read that blog. And she said, well, how much have you made in the last month? <laughs> and I went, $2. And she laughed. <laughs> she had tears coming down her face. Uh, and it was kind of embarrassing. Um, I was looking at Nina. She's looking at me. And on the way back in the car, she's going, geez, that was really rude of her to say that and everything. And I said, look, if I can make $2 out of a blog post that I've written, I could make 200 It's, you know, it's just a matter of getting more eyeballs. And, yeah, I just did that you know, over time. But at the end of the day, I, I yeah, I would have given up because I wasn't making 200 for five years. Yeah. And and so the motivation has to be right. You have to have it everything. You have to be motivated, not just for the coin or the business side of things. You have to be motivated and for sharing information or whatever that is, and you've got to have a passion for what you do, you know. Otherwise... You're missing something and you're not only cheating yourself, the people out there see it. They see through it and you're buggered. Hmm. They'll, they'll leave you. Couldn't agree more, mate. And that's why I think I don't know what was going on in those first five years, but I can tell you in the couple of years that I've been following you, both, you know, I pay for YouTube premium and I put the phone in my pocket, put my headphones in and I'll mow away and I'll even just listen to you and I'll come back and I'll watch the video later. And so I've literally watched your video twice sometimes. That's great. And, Thank um, you. Yeah. I mean, so you just can't fake that sort of passion, mate. Like it, it literally, it's like 
I'm being taught by you and it also feels like I'm sitting down at a barbie with you as well. You know, and you're sort of saying like, oh, I'll just wait for the kookaburras to calm down. They're always laughing at me. You always got that sense of humour about you and I just love that. Oh, uh, thanks. I'm glad that that comes through. Mm, it does. You were talking about, you know, you tried planting duck eggs there and you had success from it and that's a great sort of jumping off point that I'd like to talk about because the traditional – advice that i've heard is stay away from animal products but here you are having awesome success with stuff like planting roadkill and duck eggs and you know fish heads and stuff like that like Mm. you're an experimenter mate and you're almost a pioneer in a way because that's something that i've learned just bury it deep enough yeah yeah yeah. no no that comes from the you know the saying that i've made up uh look and see the earth through her eyes and so I think when you see like a a dead animal that's died near a tree and rots into the ground, things grow around it. It turns into fertilizer. The tree grows better. And I don't think of it in a yucky sense, like I could catch a, a disease from it. I think of it like if you do this right, I mean, you just shouldn't let it rot on the top of your veggie garden. I mean, of course, that's silly, but if you bury it deep enough and maybe in a raised bed where dogs and other larger animals can't get to it, or if you're living in Canada, you might have it in an enclosure so bears can't come in or something and smell <laughs> it, dig it up. Imagine dealing with bears in your veggie garden. and or that Possums are enough, mate. I mean, we've got deadly <laughs> snakes, goannas, yeah. you know. But, True. yeah, imagine having those bigger animals. But anyway, I digress. So I'm thinking if nature can do it and not really get sick and it works, why not give it a go? And I also did do my research about other people and especially the older generations like my grandfather and before him and what did they used to use in their gardens? And they were so more, I think, sustainable or even self-sufficient than we were and they were like the war years, how good they were at utilising every little bit of a beast that they might slaughter because it's important because, you know, you have to make the best use of it because it was scarce at the time. And so when you do that research, you find out that that burying fish heads and and utilising other things that instead of throwing it away, using it in the garden, burying kitchen scraps, uh, so that the worms can grow and then the worms can then aerate your soil and also fertilize your soil at the same time and become, you know, more biodiverse in the veggie garden. I find the more biodiverse your soil is, the better things grow in it. The more flat line it is and dead, the less your plants enjoy it because they're just sucking up nutrients that fertilizer you put in, but they need other things to help them. Other animals, other fungi, other other things to help enrich that and get a better ex- better growth experience. But so I just put all that together and think I should experiment with these things. Maybe instead of putting the fish head in the bin, put it underneath a tomato plant, bury it into the garden, and in the future I really do want to experiment with making my own fish emulsify uh, the. Mm-hmm. Um, emulsify the fish and turn it into 
fish fertilizer, those type of things. So not just burying them into the garden, but I think that is the most simple and best way to do it. It takes a bit of time for it to break down, but I've done experiments and videos showing that after a few months, you, these things do completely turn into soil. And it is like composting directly into your garden bed. And I do compost too, as well in different forms. And I think uh, we have, we are a bit adverse. I think we've got a bit soft over this last couple of decades that we're, oh, yucky, um, rotten food is bad or uh, make sure that you, you sterilize everything. But I, I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. I think we can be more sustainable, make better use of things, even though we do seem to have plenty of it. At the moment, we've got plenty of food and all that. I don't think it's an excuse to be wasteful. And I think it is wasteful to throw waste food into the dump, into landfill, when it could be feeding worms and microbes and mealybugs in, in your backyard veggie garden, you know? Completely agree. And I just want to add a little caveat here. A self-sufficient person takes responsibility for themselves. So neither you, Mark, nor I are going to be, you know, we don't want to be responsible for somebody who gets a disease because they're not being careful or, you know, you, you really do have to take responsibility for yourself if you're going to follow this advice. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a good point. And when you're talking publicly, you probably should make sure that, yeah, by all means, you know, bury things in the backyard and everything, but also be careful with your own hygiene and do your own research before you start doing any of these things. I'm talking generally, and uh, mm -hmm. we don't want to give the wrong message out there uh, for people who don't quite know what we're talking about or what we're doing and actually do then make themselves sick. Completely agree. So, Mike, this conversation didn't go anywhere where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I thought we were going to be talking about gardening. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you talk about a lot of this stuff before. Yeah, well, yeah, it's pretty new content. Yeah, so I, I don't, you know, perhaps I should be talking more about it. But, yeah, yeah, it's all interesting. There's so much. There's so much you can flesh out. Pardon the pun, mm. what we were talking before. <laughs> <laughs> that went way out of my head, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were in the Army. Then you were a stay-at-home dad and you had a hobby, which was a YouTube channel, which was Self-Sufficient Me. Yeah. The, my initial motivation, like I was talking about motivation before, initially it was to save money, use our acreage to grow food. We moved out here because we were sick of the city and we wanted some space. We wanted a better lifestyle for our children. But when we dropped down to one income, and I've told this story many times before, but when we dropped down to one income, you know, there was quite a big hole there and we still have to live in the world. Kids have to go to school, kids have to eat, kids need uniforms, you've got to pay rent, you've got to pay or, or mortgages and electricity bills. So one of the biggest bills we had was food and I thought while I'm looking after these young boys that you know haven't started school yet, maybe I can grow as much produce as possible utilise what we have here, uh, and in between nappy changes, get into the garden, and that way we can save as much as we can on groceries. And that did work, but it was still tough, uh, but we were happy. The whole reason we dropped out, uh, I, I dropped out of the workforce, was to give a better family life, was to have one foot on the ground here. Nina works hard, she still does, and she was 
burning the midnight candle, earning a crust for her family. At the same time, I was trying to help her out by having dinner on the table when she got home, having the kids all sorted. If there was a problem like in the early days, even at primary school and now, I sort that out so she can concentrate on on her work. That did that made us happy. We had less money. The stress the other the stress changed from monetary from non monetary uh, from family juggling family to monetary, but monetary was easier uh, then because you know money's not everything. Family and happiness is is everything. So we could deal with that, and it was a better stress. Uh, so uh, that's that was the initial motivation. But then when I realised by the time I w- the boys were in high school and they didn't need me much and I would have to get a part-time job, in your 50s, being an ex-soldier, injured, and with obvious injuries, you can't really hide, it, 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 no matter which way you code it, people don't like hiring uh, senior people, especially if you've got injuries, and, and especially ex-soldiers. They think you're nuts bananas, you might be a bit crazy, you know, PTSD and all those things. They don't want to take you on. It's too risky for them. Uh, unfortunately, they think that. I, I think the opposite, but that's the perception, and I get it. So I'm thinking, where do I go from here? Um, maybe I, I start my own business. Do I do lawn mowing? That's feasible. It's outdoors. Uh, that would be cool. And I'd be happy to do that. Something outdoorsy. It's the reason why I joined the army was because I felt it was an outdoor career, which it was. So I would just continue on that. But even better, I started this phenomenal second career out of an, in an online world on YouTube and blogging about self-sufficiency. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier. I mean, really is a dream job. I don't know how long this will last. I hope for many years yet, uh, but you never know. The online world can be a bit fickle. You know, I'm one of the the larger YouTube gardener self sufficiency guys at the moment in the world, and next year there could be some other people that are that are really uh, got some innovative ideas and come through. And I think that'd be great. But I mightn't be as as I might be a bit old news. People might get bored of me. Who knows? I'm just spitballing. But um, the fact is uh, <laughs> that I'm enjoying what I'm doing now and I'm getting remunerated for it reasonably and uh, it's taken the pressure off my missus as far as earning a crust goes and we're very happy. It's the best of both worlds, so it's pretty cool. Good for you, mate. Sounds like you're living the dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. I reckon it is. Mm. And, yeah, I've worked hard to get there but still – I can't help but feel pretty lucky. What kind of a person, after five years of working hard for no money, says that they're lucky? <laughs> I think that says a lot about your about your character, Mark. Yeah, no, well, I appreciate that. But, yeah, I do. I just I feel really lucky and uh, almost sometimes, like, undeserving in a way. But I just am really thankful for the the supporters out there that you know watch my videos and they might not watch them every time but they they stick with me on the subscriber count and they come back and watch what's interesting to them and and then there's new people that come along and watch I I get messages from people who said I've binge watched nearly 500 of your videos 
I mean, <laughs> you know, it just boggles my mind because at least 250 of them I would think are so cringy that they're the older ones <laughs> that I don't know how they could stand it. They must be so sick of me by then. But uh, it's just really nice that they would consume my content uh, like that. Yeah, so I do find it bewildering sometimes, but at the same time, wonderful and I'm I'm just still in the clouds over it. That's beautiful, Mark. Thank mm. you so much for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate this chance to sort of see a different side of you than I actually have before. So I really appreciate you coming on, mate. Thank you. No, I appreciate the invite for coming on for yeah, letting me come on your show and share that. Thank you. And any time if you want to maybe talk about something else in another time, happy to come back if you'll have me. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode, which was a little bit less structured than what we tend to do here on the Plans Grow Here podcast. If you're new to the show, make sure you check out our back catalogue, which includes episodes on the topics of soil carbon, identifying plant families with flowers, and the 12 principles of permaculture, as well as a ton of others. You'll find links in the show notes to the Self-Sufficient Me website, as well as the YouTube channel and social media profiles. Stay tuned for our Falco episodes, where we'll be doing a giveaway for our Aussie listeners. And thanks, and, and your medium is a different way to share to share this type of information. And I think it's a really – I don't have a lot of time to, you know, create a, a podcast myself like you're doing. I sometimes dabble in a recorder and I walk around the yard and I might record my voice and, and talk about things on my little funny podcast thing, but it's not, it's not publicised, it's not like you're doing. So this is another avenue to sort of, yeah, get some messages out and get some interesting conversation out there. There's lots on tech and there's lots on so many mm. other politics, but there's not a lot of podcasters at the moment in the world talking about gardening and self-sufficiency and all that. So I think you're doing a great job and let's, yeah, keep it rolling and I'll come on whenever you want. Thank you, mate. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'll have you as often as you want to come on. Um, I guess just before we close, I will just say, you're talking about podcast as an, as an interesting medium. I think why I gravitated towards podcasting is because I listen to an absolute load of podcasts when I'm, because I'm a maintenance gardener and I've done a, man, I've pushed a mode a lot of lawns and I've listened to a lot of podcasts. And you know who does one of the best podcasts, I think, gardening podcasts is Kevin Espiritu from Epic Gardening. Here's one, they're short, sharp things, but I like a podcast that doesn't waste my time too much. And here's one I'm just learning like all the time.